Nothing But The Words, episode number 15, How to Write Better. Welcome to Nothing But The Words, the podcast that gives you everything you need to know to write a phenomenal book. Now here's your host, your author coach, Candace L. Davis. Hey there, and welcome to Nothing But The Words. I'm your author coach, Candace L. Davis. In this episode, I want to share with you some specific strategies you can use to actually write better. Yes, everyone can write better. It is not something you have to be born with. You can actually improve your writing just like you do any other skill. Last week, I was talking to a coaching client who happens to live in Australia, and we spent the first 10 minutes, of course, comparing how her country and the country I live in are handling the pandemic in somewhat different ways. And after we got through that, which seems to be the beginning of most of my coaching calls these days, she shared with me a chapter that she had written for an anthology years ago. And she mentioned that I should keep in mind that her writing has grown a lot since that book was first published. So I shouldn't expect this to be her best work. I actually loved hearing her say that because it was confirmation that she realizes that she can get better in her writing. She has a growth mindset about her writing ability. This coaching client believes she can improve as a writer, and she really has. Now that she's writing her first book, she's getting that much more writing practice, so her improvement is happening a lot faster. She's also getting feedback from me as her author coach, and she's applying that feedback. So not only is she getting in the practice, she's getting in the kind of constructive criticism that makes that practice even more valuable. I'm super excited for her, and I can really see her improvement. And I think she is a testament to how a good writer can become a great writer. I know her book is going to be phenomenal. But what about you? Have you ever wondered if your writing was actually good enough for you to become an author? Have you ever had that crisis of confidence when it comes to writing a whole book? Or do you ever look back at something you've written, even just an email, <laughs> and wish that you you had written it better? Well, we all have those moments. I've been writing books and publishing books for, I guess, about 15 years now. And I can still look back at some of my work and see ways that I could have improved it. That's just part of the growth process. Of course, when you get a few years down the road, if you've been putting in practice, you'll be able to see what you could have done better in earlier works. The point is to keep improving. Writers who are just so-so can become good writers. Good writers can become great, and great writers, should they choose to, can become phenomenal. Writing isn't a talent you have to be born with. Yes, for some people, writing well does come more naturally, of course. We all have different things that we gravitate to, and those tend to be people who enjoy books a lot from early childhood, who pay attention to words and letters. If that's not you, that's okay. For some people, Writing well is just something they have to work at, but it's a muscle that every good writer has to continue to develop over time. You don't get to a point where you just say, okay, that's good enough. If you're going to continue to write, you need to continue to develop your writing skills. Writing is both an art and a craft, which is great news because anyone can get better at a craft. So how do you get better at writing? Well, I want to share with you some strategies. Now, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, You want to have an outline first. You want to have a plan. And then you want to just write the content without focusing so much on all of these strategies I'm going to give you. 
as you use them, they're going to become more natural for you. They'll become habitual. You won't have to always wait until you get to the revision process to implement them. But in the beginning, just write. And then when you go back to revise your work, and I revise a lot and I encourage my clients to revise a lot. When you go back to revise your work, you can apply these strategies. Perfectionism and the writing process, they just don't go together. You just want to get the content out. Then when you revise, make it as good as you possibly can. So there are a lot of ways to make your writing better. And I want to share five of them with you today. And the first of those is to run spell check. I know spell check is not perfect. There are a lot of typos spell check will miss. Sometimes it will tell you to change something and you know that spell check is wrong. <laughs> and of course it will correct things that are, you know, your intentional tweaks that bring your personality or voice or words that are uh, unique to your industry might be singled out. So yes, you will have to make a decision about each suggestion that spell check makes for you. But you should at least give yourself the, the chance to review those suggestions. You would be shocked to see how many people never bother to run spell check or they ignore the automatic spell check that's run in email. They had to ignore it because they're sending out things with typos and spelling errors that that spell check would have caught. It makes the writer look unprofessional and it makes their content seem untrust untrustworthy. So it's just easier to go ahead and run spell check and make a decision about each suggestion. Now, I have also tested Grammarly. I haven't tested any of the other, um, I guess, premium spell check type options out there, but I tested Grammarly. I found it to be slightly better than spell check on some things, but not by much. I used the paid version for a while, but many of the suggestions, they just weren't spot on. And if you don't know the rules of grammar very well, it just causes more confusion. The best feature I found with Grammarly was that it will single out plagiarism. It will point out plagiarism in the writing. And that was helpful in the rare instance when a client forgot to cite a source. But it just wasn't enough to make me a convert to Grammarly. So my recommendation is to stick with the spell check that already comes included in your WordPress processing software and actually use it. But don't use it blindly. Look at each suggestion and decide if you want to accept it or not, because as, as you know, it's not always correct. The second strategy is to avoid unnecessary word repetition. If you have used the same word multiple times in a short paragraph, then you might need to consider using a synonym. Sometimes restructuring the sentence in a new way will solve the problem. It will just eliminate the word. But other times you just need to find a new word. You need to find a synonym because when you keep repeating the same word over and over, your reader gets bored and your writing starts to feel lifeless and people don't want to read something that's boring and lifeless. So Often a synonym isn't coming to mind. The easiest thing to do is just turn to your thesaurus to find a new word. I'm in thesaurus.com every single day, probably seven days a week. But when you go to the thesaurus, you have to choose wisely. Make sure the new word still fits with your voice and the tone of your work. So for example, if you're writing a book about gardening and you have this casual tone, this very friendly tone, this very down to earth tone throughout the book, you can't then just swap in Latin names for plants because you want to mix up your word choice. That's going to throw off the whole tone of your book. You don't want to do that. And just keep in mind that 
There are also some words that are listed listed as synonyms that have different connotations. So they may have similar dictionary meanings, but they bring to mind different images when we hear them or read them. So for example, youthful and childish are listed as synonyms in thesaurus.com. But most adults would appreciate being called youthful, but might be a bit offended by being called childish. Don't let the thesaurus dictate your word for you. You choose which word makes the most sense when you're trying to avoid word repetition. Strategy number three is to be specific, not general. So generalities lack impact. So if you're writing a case study, give us the numbers. Don't just say you doubled your business. Tell us where you started and where you finished. Are you talking about revenue or profit? Be really specific. If you're sharing an event from your childhood, you could say when I was a little kid, but we don't know what you mean by little kid. Tell us how old you were because a three-year-old and a nine-year-old could both be considered little kids, but they're quite different from each other. A four-year-old girl with thick plaits hanging over her shoulders and dusty Mary Jane. Now that's specific. That gives you an image of what this little girl looks like, who she was and what's going on because there's some reason why her Mary Janes are dusty. Liquor is less specific than brown liquor, which is less specific than six-year-old small batch Kentucky bourbon. Specific details create an image in the reader's mind, and it lets us go into the world that you're creating with your book. It makes the words on the page concrete and real for us. Strategy number four is to eliminate unnecessary words. We all have words we overuse when we write. We all have words we overuse when we speak, but they're not as noticeable unless we really get carried away with it or when you're recording a podcast, because trust me, I hear my own overused words when I listen to my episodes. But when we're writing, we tend to overuse different words and they're almost like written ticks. You just keep using them almost like a crutch. You may not need them at all. Yours may be unique to you, and the only way to discover what words you tend to overuse is to either read over your work, keeping an eye out for words you have used many times too many, or to let someone else give you feedback on your writing and and specifically ask that person to point out any words you seem to rely on. Often these are the small words like just or really or very. We tend to overuse those in writing a lot. If you see the word that, you should always question whether or not it's needed. And if not, you should cut it. So for example, in the sentence, she told him that she loved him. That is completely unnecessary. You can simply write, she told him she loved him. That's simple. And I know it seems like, oh, well, who cares? It's just a simple four-letter word to a lot of people when you're first working on improving your writing. But eliminating unnecessary words just makes your writing flow more smoothly. So a simple way to start is to look for the word that and make a decision. Is it necessary? Sometimes it is. Sometimes it could be replaced with a more specific word, depending on what you're talking about. And sometimes it just needs to go away. Strategy number five is to use active verbs instead of passive verbs. Now, this is not a hard and fast rule. You're going to need to use passive verbs some of the time, but we tend to rely on using these 
when we really shouldn't. We want to show some action. That keeps your writing moving along, keeps it flowing, it keeps the reader moving along with your story or your content. So let's look at an example because we don't talk often about active versus passive verbs. And if you haven't been in 11th grade English in a while, you may not even even remember what those are. Take, for example, the statement, mistakes were made. If, If you were around in the 80s, you will remember this very famous statement made by some politicians. Mistakes were made is a re- really, really different from I made mistakes. In the first sentence, mistakes were made by whom we don't know. No one took action. No one is owning anything. It allows you to even dodge responsibility by using a passive voice. Mistakes were just passively made. But when you say I made mistakes, you own it. You're the person who took the action that shouldn't have been taken. You're the person who made the mistakes. When you say he made mistakes, he took action. That's an active verb. He made mistakes. He owns those mistakes. If you see a version of the verb to be like is or was or were, you're probably using passive voice. And of course, it may be necessary for you to use passive voice some of the time. But often, as in the statement, (laughs) mistakes were made, it could be change to an active verb. I made mistakes. That simple change will improve your writing dramatically. There's no dodging responsibility. We know who's taking action. Things aren't just happening to someone or something. Someone is actually taking action to make those things happen. So it's a simple, it may sound like a simple change and it is a simple change, but it can dramatically improve your writing when you take the time to Examine your use of passive verbs and decide when they can be improved by switching to active verbs. So those are your five strategies for writing better. The first one was simply to use spell check, run spell check. Before you press send or publish or send to your editor or send to your beta readers, run spell check. Avoid unnecessary word repetition. Use synonyms that have similar meanings when you find yourself using the word over and over too many times. Be specific, not general. Give us specific details so we can actually see the vision that you're trying to create with your writing. Eliminate unnecessary words, words that don't really add any meaning to your content. And use active verbs instead of passive verbs when it makes sense to do so. And of course, if you really want to improve your writing, a good author coach will help you not just see how to write better, but how to specifically improve your writing. So I help my clients make the most of their strengths and shore up their weaknesses in their writing. We focus on their specific challenges and opportunities and strengths in the writing that they create. That's what I'm here to do. To find out more about author coaching, you can visit candiceldavis.com backslash call and sign up for a free consultation. I'll be happy to talk to you. In an upcoming episode, probably the next episode, I'll give you more strategies to write better. But if you only do the things that I've shared in this episode, you will already be ahead of the vast majority of writers and authors. Your book will be better than most books. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nothing But The Words, the podcast that gives you everything you need to write a phenomenal book. If you benefited from this episode, I'd love it if you'd leave me a great review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm your author coach, Candace. Sal Davis, and I'll see you next time.